Thank you, Cooper and Marchant, for bringing us the reading for today. Um, I love that Cooper was getting a little choked up about John the Baptist eating locust. Um, I think when he was reading it the first time around, he thought he was eating something ludicrous, a ludicrous locust, you know. Uh, it is a, it's a strange story. So we're going to dive into it together and explore it. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. May the words of your scriptures and the words of my mouth enliven us today to be your people more faithfully in this world that you so love. Amen. Should. The power of should cannot be overestimated. We think we should do this, we should do that, we should, 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 should. You know, a lot of New Year's resolutions. Oh, Dismiss the children, sorry. I always forget. That's okay, they leave anyway. They don't need to be dismissed. They don't need my permission. But the power of should, it, it, it often comes around at New Year's. Our New Year's resolutions are something that we think would be more appropriate, uh, more um, that would meet other people's expectations or even some internal expectations of our own. Do you know that most New Year's resolutions, year after year after year after year after year after year, I check it every year. You know what the number one is? Lose weight, get in better shape. I should do this, I should do that. Now, I've got a little video. It, there's words on it. Some of you who are younger will probably be able to see them. I couldn't see them because so, I'm older, but um, we're going to play it. It's 30 seconds. But there's an ice cream company that has kind of honed in on this this heavy thing of should that we lay on ourselves and they've got these commercials about letting go of that so let's let's play that i should slim down i should bulk up i should do some cardio I should skip dessert. So good, zero shoulds. So it's kind of funny. Some shoulds are kind of funny. But not all shoulds are just about a spoonful of sugar. Some of us carry our shoulds around like an overloaded backpack. And those expectations, those images of what we ought to do and be weigh us down. And it's not so easy to just throw them off and sing and dance. Sometimes when we do want to lighten up a little bit, though, what we'll do is project them onto other people. A spouse, a brother, a sister, a coworker, a boss, a parent. When you think back over your gatherings over the holidays, was there a time when you felt frustrated because someone or something was not as you thought it should be? 
it can be a heavy burden. John the baptizer had some ideas about what Jesus should do. John the baptizer knew God was going to send someone after him, someone who was going to be really great, someone who was going to have an axe at the root of the tree and chop off all the ones that weren't bearing fruit. And he was going to have a winnowing fork, that, that great ancient tool that separated the wheat from the chaff. That's what this one was going to do, separate the good from the bad, bring down judgment, rain down fire. And everything was going just as planned. People were coming to hear this message and responding and being baptized in the River Jordan. And, and things were going just as John the Baptist thought they should. Till he met Jesus. Jesus came to the river and said, I want to be baptized by you. And John the Baptist said, no, you should not do that. It's really interesting. You'll notice, I mean, this word is literally, he tried to stop Jesus. In the King James, it says, he forbade Jesus. No, you will not be baptized by me. That's not the way this thing should go. Now, I, I've always wondered about that conversation. Like, did, was it out in public, or did, did John the Baptist kind of pull him aside and go, hey, where is the axe and the winnowing fork? Could you come in with a little more force here? I've been really building you up as like, you know, I need a little more bravado. And no, I'm not going to baptize you. No, that, that, that will not be right for your image. I forbid you. Can you imagine that conversation? <laughs> I don't know how it evolved, but eventually John the Baptist gave in and baptized Jesus in the River Jordan, in those muddy waters, with all those other sinners, with whom Jesus was in solidarity. Nope, put me in the water, just like everybody else. And I bet you John was thrown for another loop when the voice came from heaven Words from the prophet Isaiah. This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. I wonder if John wasn't scratching his head going, oh, wait a minute. Did I forget those verses in Isaiah about the one who's coming will not bruise a broken reed? Will not quench a flickering, waning flame. Oh no, this one comes maybe in a little bit different spirit than I had thought. Than I thought he should. You can make the case, I suppose, that from here on out, Jesus' ministry is about shattering shoulds. You should not touch those people. Jesus touches them. You should not eat with them. Jesus eats with them. We all know you should love your neighbor, but you should hate your... No, no, no. 
Love your enemy. You should not heal or pick grain on the Sabbath. Well, if people are hungry and suffering, no. You heal and pick grain on the Sabbath. I wonder how powerful some of the shoulds are in our life. I don't know what they are. Maybe particular ways that you think the church should be. The church should worship. Other Christians should act. People who should or should not be included in our fellowship. What are the shoulds that you carry around that you think, you know, Jesus should behave this way? You wouldn't put it that way. But I wonder if some of those aren't functioning in our lives. And if it makes you nervous, what will happen if we don't have any shoulds? You are not alone. People in the first century were really worried about this idea. This is what Paul, read the book of Romans and Galatians this week. This is what Paul is saying to them because they're saying, wait, 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 wait. This whole grace thing, it does have its limits, right? And Paul keeps saying, no, 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 no limits. But wait a minute. Won't everything just go crazy? Don't we need those? And Paul keeps insisting, oh, no, 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 a thousand times no. That won't happen when you really grasp the power of this grace, the power of this unconditional love, the power of this. When you grasp this, you want this. The fear that, oh, well, if we know we're held by God, we're just going to all go misbehave. No, actually, you know what? When we really get that, when we are seized by the power of a great affection, by a grace that has no bounds and no fetters and no limit, our response transcends the righteousness of the Pharisees. It is no longer just what is right or should be. It is what is loving, what is rightly relating to ourselves, to the God who gave us this wonderful creation, who came to us in Jesus, who is present with us now in the Spirit. That's what happens when we really get a grasp of this. We want this. We want it far more than anything we might ask or imagine, far more than any should might make us live into. It also made somebody else nervous. Centuries after, Paul talked about this unconditional grace. 
Martin Luther. Do you remember your history class? Do you remember 95 Thesis on the door of Wittenberg? Martin Luther, essentially another way of saying it, a paraphrasing is, he put 95 shoulds on the door and said, no, these are a burden. Grace does not require these things. And it is said that Martin Luther was so nervous. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine defying the shoulds of the church that has now existed for centuries? It's said that he was so nervous and sometimes depressed and anxious that he would have a mantra, remember your baptism, remember your baptism, remember your baptism. Now, not remember like, I remember it because I was there, like Veda might not remember hers, you might not remember yours if you were baptized as a baby, but remember it like you remember your birthday. You know you were born because you're here. And so you celebrate that. Remember your baptism is remembering the meaning of the fact that God's love has claimed you. You belong to God. You are Christ's own now and forever. Rejoice. Legend has it that Martin Luther had a plaque in his bathroom over his sink. When you wash your face, remember your baptism. Every day, meet Jesus in the remembrance of your baptism. Whether you're washing your face or taking a shower or, or drinking a, a, a cold gulp of water when you're so thirsty, remember the water nourishes you as does the Spirit of God. The water gives you life as does the Spirit of God present with you. It cleanses you. It enlivens you. And it is a reminder that you belong to Christ now and forever. You are Christ's beloved. John the Baptist was surprised when he met Jesus at the river in his baptism. I hope we are surprised over and over and over again when we remember our baptisms every day. Several years ago, a young person who'd been in my youth group and was then a, a, a young adult uh, came to see me and was talking to me and said, I, you know, I just, I don't know if I ever told you about this really powerful moment uh, when you were my youth leader. And Marchant, by the way, the, the moments are not the ones you think. He said, we were, we were sitting there and one of my friends uh, announced, hey, I don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> Did he say what? No, I do. But <laughs> somebody else said that. And the young man telling me the story said, I, 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 I got like, oh my gosh, is a lightning bolt going to come down? Like, what's going to happen? And what's Pam going to say? And he said, I remember, and I, I don't remember this. He said, I remember you, you, didn't, you didn't stop what you were doing. He said, I think you were either like cooking something or it was like for a meal. He goes, you just said, 
that's okay, God still believes in you. Tell me more about that. Maybe there's days you don't know what you believe. You belong to God. Maybe there's days you know you believe, but you have absolutely walked away. You still belong to God. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot journey outside of the scope of God's love for you. But there are moments when the claim of love moves you so deeply, you grab back. I pray you have that moment today. I pray you have it every day, again and again, expanding your ideas of what the love of God can do, not what you think it should be or do. So think about that this week. Talk to each other about it. Miriam, will you come and lead us in prayer?